Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Ready to triple your creative production speed? Seltra is a software for scaling creative and content in the cloud. In Seltra, brands can create and launch all the variations they need for successful campaigns. More at Seltra.com. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek podcast uh, where we talk about marketing, uh, media, technology, pop culture, because everything is an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm the creative and innovation editor at Adweek. And I'm Ko M, your new community editor, but I'm still the same, really. Um, and we are joined by our agency's reporter, Minda Smiley. Minda, thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you. And um, before we get into one of David's top stories from the past week. And we'll talk a lot about how people are pivoting right now. Um, My role is shifting a bit. Um, So I'll still, yes, it's pivoting. And so I'll still be with you on the podcast, um, but I am taking over our voice column and kind of reimagining it, uh, really tapping into community. As you know, I just love connecting with people and I'm always curious so I'd love to, you know, hear from our listeners about what's on their mind. Um, you know, I'm, I'm big on coffee chats, although they'll have to be virtual for now. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of uh, different, something different. Yeah, well, I'm really excited. I think uh, the the community editor position oversees our, as you mentioned, the opinion content, uh, which we call voice pieces on the on adweek.com, and uh, it's it's great because as you can you know as reader re- readers listeners can imagine. Um, we get a lot of those. We get a lot of pitches. Uh, people love to have their opinion out there. I love to have my opinion out there. Um, but, uh, you know, the community editor is kind of the gatekeeper who really decides uh, which takes are, you know, are worth featuring, uh, which ones. You know, it's a position with a lot of 
not say a lot of weight on it, but in the sense that it's a real sign of trust within the organization uh, to have that role uh, because we're really counting on that person to make sure that we're not running opinion pieces that are basically someone trying to sell themselves and their company or just like someone trying to do a hot take just to have a hot take. You know what I mean? Like those to me are the most frustrating. It's like, why advertising sucks? And it's like, yeah, whatever, man. That's what Twitter <laughs> go go. Go write your your LinkedIn or Medium post about that. Uh, I mean, you're welcome to say advertising sucks, but as long as you have a better you know <laughs> argument than a lot of these folks do. So I'm really excited for you, Ico, and uh, definitely encourage. Congrats, Co. Yeah, thank you. Um, so remind everybody your email in case they want to send you their hot takes about why advertising. Oh sucks. yes, yes. But um, let's all think about big thoughts and good thoughts as we send those emails, right? <laughs> Um, I, I don't know if I'm expecting a flood, but it's co.im, as in Mary, at adweek.com. You can also connect with me on Twitter at co.mtv. Um, and, yeah, I, I'm really, um, you know, wanting to get in touch with the movers and the shakers and the big creative thinkers of our time, um, especially in times like these. So thank you again, guys. Um, it's been a pleasure so far. It's a great uh, it's a great little way to start out our pivot conversation uh, because we are, as you mentioned, dedicating this episode kind of to the art of the pivot, which has become so important uh, amid these these uncertain times. Um, you know, the, the agencies have the role of agencies over the last few years um, has always has been in question. Uh, you know, not always, not in the sense of everyone's like, what are agencies good for? But a lot of agencies do spend a lot of time trying to trying to think about, you know, what is the value they bring when clients are building out in-house teams to, to build creative? Like, what is the role of an agency? And Minda, I feel like that, that this has kind of been the question, the existential question hovering over uh, the agency world for the last few years. Oh, yeah. I mean, for sure. I feel like ever since I started reporting on this industry, um, there's always this talk of like, what's the value? What are agencies really providing? Um, especially the past few years uh, with consultancies and, and as you mentioned, in-housing. So um, I think, you know, as much as this has been hard for a hard time for agencies, I do think in some ways it's giving them the opportunity to kind of really, really prove or not prove uh, their value right now. So Yeah, it's like we, we saw a lot of praise early on in the quarantine era for in-house agencies, and, and I think deserved uh, in the sense that sometimes they were the ones who could get content produced most quickly, right? Like mm -hmm. they, they, Which makes sense. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're part of the brand. Like they don't, there's not a whole lot of communication, you know, bureaucracy there. And so that's where you saw a lot of the early messaging coming out about, we're with you in these trying times, and you've always been there for us, and we want to be there for you. It got a bit hackneyed a bit quickly, and I think where agencies really stepped up was in kind of the next wave, the actual creative, uh, you, you know, the real creative solutions and, and pivots. And we're going to talk about some of those that have been done for bigger brands, but I think the recurring theme you're going to see is that a lot of them have been done for smaller businesses. And I think a lot of that is agencies who have capacity and they want to help some. In some cases, it's just these smaller businesses are quicker, you know, quicker to react and to approve these things. Um, and so, uh, you know, I wanted to draw attention to one that we covered uh, this past week uh, for a bookstore called uh, The Wild Detectives in Dallas. 
And this is, uh, I have not been there, uh, but it is, I'm told it is a beloved uh, destination uh, in Dallas. That It's like a little cafe with excellent coffee and, you know, fantastic, you know, fantastically curated books. And people just, you know, I went through and read a bunch of the comments that they've gotten uh, from their sad fans, like while they're closed right now, just saying, you know, oh, I miss this place. I love it. I love it so much. And and like when I think about what I miss about going out, those are the places I really think of. And and so they they did something really fascinating. They turned to so they got closed, as you can imagine, they are non essential business, and they were a cafe and and a bookstore, and they they had done some e commerce, but I don't think that like selling books online was a big aspect of their business when you have Amazon lurking over you, you know, every day of the week, and um. They so they turned to their agency Diesta, and uh, they they asked them basically, you know, you've been working with us on campaigns for the last four years. Uh, can you can you help us solve this? You know, this time like help us come up with a solution that boosts sales, that gets people, and that kind of shows our fans that we're still here uh, and that we haven't closed entirely. And they came up with just what I think is one of the most clever things I've seen in a really long time. So they, they posted this photo to Facebook of their <laughs> this like dark photo of their shop at night. And it said, Dear friends, we are sorry to announce that under the current circumstances, the Wild Detectives bookstore is no longer. Starting today, we are shifting our business model to a travel agency. This may come <laughs> as a shock to you. But we keep he hearing that everybody wishes to travel now. We acted quick, and we are ready, or we are already offering some great deals to foreign and local destinations. Click on the link and get ready to travel. <laughs> so when you click on the website they posted, gobookatrip.com, uh, it takes you to what, yeah, what ostensibly looks like a travel agency. But when you search for destinations, you do not get. Uh, ticket prices or packages or whatever, you get books that have been written about those cities. So you search Barcelona, you're going to get a book about Barcelona uh, or Barcelona if you're fancy. And, um, you know, and so with whatever city, uh, and they are books that are for sale uh, online. <laughs> so the, of course, everyone who saw this was like, what? You're doing, yeah, huh? <laughs> <laughs> like, you're going to pivot to the only business model worse than running like a local shop. But so, they tapped into something that, you know, everyone is kind of missing. Um, and what I love about it is um, so I actually tried it out. I was like, where do I want to go? And honestly, I live in New York and I put New York and it spit out like some really interesting books that I wouldn't have you know, looked at otherwise. And, you know, the whole idea that you can still journey beyond where you are right now, I think is like super clever. The UX on the site is very easy. And, um, you know, at least it gets people thinking like, oh, yeah, maybe I can go there through the book. Yeah, I, I love it. I just loved it. I loved it. It was a and and what's what's fun and this is a recurring theme we've seen. I think we talked about this with Burger King when they did their um, Stay Home of the Whopper. Is this wasn't built from whole cloth like right away? Uh, you know, out of something completely new. They they took an idea they had had last year uh, where they had run some ads, some banner ads, kind of jokingly looking like travel sites where it was like Barcelona for fourteen dollars, Tokyo for sixteen dollars, and when people clicked, it was you know. You can go there in your head <laughs> you know, through the power of, of imagination. And um, 
So it was an idea they had already played with, and they decided to just go ahead and build it into uh, what is essentially an e-commerce shop. Uh, but it's a great example of an agency being there for for a small client in this case. It boosted sales 200%, although I'm sure they were pretty sluggish anyway. Um, but still, you know, 200%, they got 30,000 views within like two two or three days of this thing going live, just from people clicking through and being like, and every comment, there's hundreds of comments on that Facebook post. And everyone is like, okay, well, for one, you got me. <laughs> for another, I like they were heartbroken because I think we've all seen this. Have you all seen like announcements about some of your favorite places closing for good uh, during yeah. this process? Yeah. And yeah. It, it's like I live in Birmingham, Alabama, where we have a super strong restaurant scene, but it's also a very independent restaurant scene. And um, yeah, we've been hit real hard. And it was really early. I mean, you could tell a lot of these places were just kind of living hand to mouth anyway. And then uh, and then all it took was you know, one, one or two weeks of zero revenue. Um, and they, they couldn't hold out much longer than that. I mean, restaurant industry famously, it's like very small margins. Uh, Mm -hmm. the other thing we've heard not to get off on a tangent, but I keep hearing this lately is those, those delivery services that we all thrive on now and rely on that they are just eating these places alive. You know, they're, have you seen those, like the people have been posting screenshots. I've seen that. I've been trying to like directly call like places now to place orders because of that. Yeah. It's like, I, I'd heard 30 to 40% from a restaurant friend is like, that's like the, their cut. And you know, when your margins are that small, it's like, they're going to take 30, 40% of your, uh, of a ticket. Um, and then someone posted one the other day, a pizza place where it was like for a month of using uh, Grubhub, I think they were paying like 70% or something. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's just like at that point, why bother? Like you're, you're right. probably, you're probably not making an actual profit. Um, mm. So, uh, you know, it's, the, these have been incredibly tough times on, on these small businesses. Uh, but well, like we mentioned earlier, uh, we've seen that agencies have really been helping them out. Uh, and, and Mindy, you wrote up a piece about some of the ways. So tell us about some of the kind of nice ways. And says, not all of them are through campaigns, but some of the nice ways that agencies are supporting these local businesses. Yeah, a lot of agencies are doing things right now. And uh, I wrote about some of them. Uh, one that I thought was pretty cool and actually pretty elaborate um, was – the one that RGA did called Merch Aid, which they basically set up a nonprofit where they're creating like shirts and tote bags and pieces of art um, for businesses that they can sell. And then all the proceeds go to these businesses. So like, you know, if you're a nail salon and you shut down, there's not really other ways to make money right now. But by having these like new revenue streams um, through through this nonprofit, um, it's, you know, helping out some some of these businesses that are just really struggling right now. And and the cool thing is, is that um, RGA connected these shops with a bunch of local designers and artists um, throughout the city. And so each, you know, it kind of like gave each business its own brand, um, so to speak, which is pretty cool. Um, I actually ended up buying one of the T-shirts uh, when I was doing research on the campaign or on yeah. the nonprofit. Um, I ended up buying one of the bagel shop ones uh, just because yes. I thought it was cute and I miss bagels a lot. So <laughs> yeah, no, it, it helps us. It helps you feel better by like, oh, I can now like still support the business and I'll eventually I can like rep them and go to them again. I think the bagel shop one, it was like black seed. There was one. I love these because, you know, you get to get the best of design and creative from the agencies and then like, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember our days at Nighthawk Cinema in Williamsburg? Yeah. Like, oh, and cool, I can have yeah. a poster about it. 
And the cool thing is that um, one of the guys I interviewed, um, an RGA that's, that kind of helped start it, was telling me that um, apparently a lot of these businesses want to keep doing this long term. Like even once they open up again, they're like, you know, this is pretty cool. It's a it's a fun way to make extra money. So um, so that's that's, uh, you know, that was one of the more interesting ones. Um, also, another one I thought was pretty cool was done by the community. They basically have been hosting happy hours with bartenders that they know, um, you know, local bars near their agency that they've been going to um, now that obviously since bartenders have um, are out of work right now, they've they've kind of just been inviting some of them to their happy hours. And every time someone pours a drink, they're asked to tip the bartender, which I thought was a nice and, and pretty easy way to just help help them out. So. So, yeah. I, lo- I love that. I stole this one, by the way. Yeah. Um, like the, <laughs> as soon as we, this was, I think maybe this was the one that started this whole story, right? Yeah. Cause you were like, wow, that's a really good idea. Yeah. And I just love it because we all know, I mean, well, certain of us uh, who have certain outing, like proclivities for going out drinking, um, you know, we all know a bartender or two that we always look forward to seeing and, and who is probably, uh, struggling right now. Uh, we have a, a writer for Adweek uh, who is, a, I, I guess you'd say, like a friend of the site, uh, but Claire McLafferty, uh, who's been writing for us for a few years about the spirits industry. She's a bartender as well. And, uh, you know, so after I heard this idea, I reached out to her. And w- me and my uh, closest friends and family, we do like a weekly happy hour on Friday nights. And I just said, hey, would you come in and, you know, make some drinks for us? And then we could tip you and through Venmo or whatever. And she said, I, I will. I want to do that. But I'm actually in a much better space than a lot of my my peers. Um, and so she said, so if you're if you're OK with me taking those tips and then routing them to bartenders who are really in in more dire need. Um, and of course, we were like, yeah, geez, that's amazing. Um, so we're we're doing that. We're recording this on Friday. We're going to try it out tonight. Um I'm sure my friends and family will be generous. I went out and bought uh, some, I think it's Yaritos, the uh, the grapefruit soda, you know, uh, from Mexican sources. Mm-hmm. We're going to be mm-hmm. making Palomas. And so I went out and strapped on my mask yesterday, went out and got the supplies, and we're all set. But I love that idea because that's something where, like you mentioned in the story, anybody can do that. Um, yeah, it's really easy. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of the best ones are some of the simplest ones, honestly, like just thinking about who are some people that need help right now and how can we get them involved? So Yeah. And it also kind of, you know, gives back to the agency too, right? If they're, you know, able to have like a different kind of happy hour experience, like it's like uh, getting together and feeling good about giving, yeah. um, you know, time and spending time together. So I really like that a lot. Um, I want to... Yeah. Uh, is there another one that you want to bring up? I know there were some with like dogs and like wine. Yeah, there were a bunch of different ones. Um, actually, a similar one to the bartender one was um, some people have been having like winemakers coming on because uh, wineries have been hit right now, too, because obviously people can't go to wine tastings and stuff like that. So um, they've just been having them come on and kind of they'll ship them some wine and then everyone kind of tastes it together and the winemaker will talk about the wine. And so, um, yeah, like I said, a lot of them are are actually, um, you know, don't, don't take a lot of legwork or anything, but they're just really nice ways to sort of uh, creatively help out some of these people. Yeah. I want to talk about um, one that I really liked, and it makes sense why I really like it. Um, but it's from um, Cabify, Argentina, and Havas's Buenos Aires-based OI agency. And uh, would you be would you guys be up to doing something with me real quick? Are, yeah. are we doing another guided meditation? Well, it's not by me. It's <laughs> by um, the agency. By Cabify. By Cabify. <laughs> and it's called My First Great Trip. 
Here it is. Now that you have your eyes closed, let me be the one to guide you on this journey through your imagination. The first thing I'm going to ask you is to imagine that today is the first day after the quarantine is over. Now imagine that person you want to see first. Ready? Well, now imagine that you are opening the door that separates you from the street. Imagine a car stops. Your cabify has arrived. The driver calls you by your name and tells you that he is going to take you to meet that person you want to see so much. When you get into the car, that song you really like is playing. Now I ask you to imagine the trip. Look at the street, the people, and the stores. Look up to the sky. What's the weather like? Imagine the route. That one you did so many times. You are getting close and you send a message saying you are coming. At the corner you see that person is waiting for you. Your cabify parks. The journey is over. Imagine that face. That gesture. What's the first thing you'll say? And what will be the answer? Imagine it with all your guts. Because they say that the stronger you imagine it, the more you attract it. Now open your eyes. Share this video with that person whom you went to visit and express your desire of seeing them. Cabify. So essentially, we are asked to imagine where we want to go after this is all over, who we want to see. First person we might want to hug, the sounds and basically just letting your mind run into the future um, in a very simple visualization campaign. Um, you know, they wanted to create a very simple idea. Um, this is a story that our emerging tech reporter, Patrick Culp wrote. Um, but I think it's kind of accessible to everybody. Uh, I think it's also helpful to kind of look forward and use your imagination. You know, imagination is a, um, good function of the brain. It's a positive function of the brain uh, when it doesn't kind of spiral into anxiety. So <laughs> so where do you guys want to go? Who do you guys want to see? Yeah, that's a good one. Minda, who's gonna be your first your first trip out of the out of the apartment? My well, I mean, I that's my first like actual trip will be to Pittsburgh. Um I've had to cancel a few trips to go um see my family and so I really miss my parents. So I just hope to be able to plan something, go go home for the weekend, see them. Um but short term, I mean, I just wanna like be able to go out and get dinner with my friends. I don't know. <laughs> like the simplest things are just what I miss. Yeah, I, th I think for me it's definitely you know, it's it's ironic it's my mom and my dad, um, but they're right down the road. Like they're like a 10 minute drive from, from where I live. Uh, and I've seen my mom several times, but it's been like, you know, 10 feet apart and wearing masks and like she would drop off stuff. And yeah, you just, it feels really weird to see people like that and not be able to hug them. And, you know, we're a very affectionate mm -hmm. family. And so it's like, it was really weird. And I mean, I, I, I'm very, I'm blessed to be able to see her. Um, and that she's healthy and that my dad's healthy. My dad is building a boat apparently during this what? quarantine <laughs> era. Um, like they're, it's funny, like when, when, uh, not sounding like I'm picking on them, but like when, when everything's normal, they're just like sitting around watching TV, enjoying retirement. And then as soon as like pandemic kicks on, they're just like 
my mom started sewing masks and joined this like local group that's made thousands of masks. My dad started making a boat. Um, and so I'm like, Hey, cool, cool. I'm glad it got you fired up. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, this, I love this idea. This is one of those where I, I, I've probably said on this podcast before that like, I think it's better to be first and, and good than to be like seventh and best at something because like people just get tired of a certain approach by the time they've seen it so many times. So even if you're the first one to nail it craft wise, you know what I mean? It's like it, it just it's it's no longer like like you can be the first, maybe even the third brand to do an ASMR video, right? <laughs> you cannot be the twenty third brand to do an ASMR video, uh, although many tried. Um, and this is one where it's rough around the edges, right? It's an English translation, and so it has some lines that don't really quite work, uh, which is it's fine. If I tried to translate into into Spanish for Argentine audiences, I doubt I would get it right either. Um, but you know, and it's a little, little clunky in a few certain parts of how they integrate the brand. But I think this is such a cool idea. Like if Airbnb or like a really savvy marketer like that made guided meditations about using, you know, about imagining your future trips and stuff, I think it would be so, so good. And that's part of why we wrote about this one is it's like, you know, it's a small social rideshare campaign in Argentina. Um, but it has so much potential for other brands to kind of glom onto that idea and use it uh, in the same way that brands kind of very slowly got on board with ASMR and a few other videos. Like your your first instinct is to make fun of things like guided meditation, right? Um, that's just the first place copywriters go. And then they eventually get to a place of acknowledging, oh, okay, these things actually have value. And so I remember when Ikea made the first like legit ASMR video, the oddly Ikea video, which I still watch. I think still great. <laughs> you know, so it's like brands can be uh, earnest with these things. Um, yeah. Any uh, co? What, what other? Uh, we we've written about a few other pivots. Yeah. Uh, some from major brands, some from smaller ones. Which other ones? Uh, but before we kind of finish up this conversation, which other ones do you like? Yeah. Well, I want to circle back. You know, bring this full circle with um, more spirits, <laughs> um, because uh, you know the big beer brands, um, are doing everything that they can. So, uh, one thing, um, Coors Light, you wrote about this. Um, they're now offering free, free beers, uh, via their hashtag could use a beer campaign from DDB. Uh, so basically, you know, just being like, Hey, this just sucks. Uh, it sucks for everybody. Um, and instead, you know, maybe we could nominate somebody to get a free six pack. Um, let's, and, uh, let's listen yeah. to this one. Cause th this one's like got such a great tone when all these other brands were, were trying to be all like super sensitive and like, like we keep making fun of. And then Coors Light was just like, everything sucks. <laughs> 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 let's, uh, let's listen to a little bit of that spot from DDB. Fighting a revolutionary war can be sucky. But do you know how George Washington kept his troops motivated? He made sure his men had beer. How about the Great Depression? It turns out that was pretty sucky too. But you know what they did? They called for an end to prohibition. Did it solve anything? <laughs> of course not. But it did help them press on. Which brings us to today. Sucky, suck, suck, suckiness of historical proportions. Now we know this won't fix it, but how about some beer? Go to at Coors Light on Twitter and tell us who could use a six-pack and we'll buy them one. Because if history's taught us anything, 
It's that sometimes we could all just use a beer. Yeah, so, you know, uh, I, I love the the grandma through the window with her six-pack um, in, 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 in your piece. And, um, yeah, yeah that's, sometimes that's, you just have to acknowledge the truth. Yeah, that's a, right? a real lady. So Oliver Nosi, or Vero Nessi, um, she's 93-year-old, and she had, uh, I think a, t- a local TV station had shared a picture of her holding up a sign that said, I need more beer with a Coors Light can. And it just went like uh, all over the place. And I think got 5 million views or something ridiculous. And so Coors sent her uh, something like 150 cans of beer uh, for Coors Light. And then they said that the agency said, you know, we had been kicking around this idea for a long time of like people deserving a beer. And how could we do that? And how could we send? Because sending, let me tell you, anyone who's worked for you know, doing social for a, a consumer brand, there's so many limitations on what you can do, especially if alcohol is involved. Like it's not, it's not even legal to send alcohol to Alabama, uh, where I live, uh, like by mail, it's, it's illegal. Um, so of course they're, they're doing these, they're not sending you beer in most of these cases, they're sending you a, you know, a, a, code. Do you call it? a promo code or whatever, um, or refunding you, uh, for what you've spent. But they said that, uh, you know, they had been kicking around that idea, but then they saw her uh, picture going live and the client had done the thing about, you know, sending her all the beer. And that's what inspired them. And so that's why she was kind of a centerpiece of their ad. Um, but, yeah, great example of a major brand, uh, a, a global agency network in this case with DDB, really pivoting very quickly to um, to kind of say, oh, we've got this moment. Let's." And then they said, you know, after that, it was about two weeks to get it all out the door, which is light speed in advertising time, you know. Right, right. Um, um, the other big moment that I do want to bring up is college graduation, which would normally be, you know, starting this month. And so uh, Natural Light, or Natty Light, um, you know, they decided um, to do a couple things. And I, I don't know if they had this idea before, like some other agencies are kind of reimagining their um, ideas um, from past buckets. But uh, basically, they're going to hire an intern to come up with a new flavor, but they're also making a $10 million commitment to paying down student loan debt for graduates over the next decade. Um, And then they're, you know, also going to host a virtual ceremony uh, with Mark Cuban, Jane Lynch. um, And it just you know, is a, a way to kind of build brand loyalty with um, that college crowd um, in the same way that, you know, Facebook is going to celebrate the class of 2020 with their own live streaming, streaming graduation event with Oprah Winfrey and Aquafina and Little Nas X. So, you know, these bigger brands are definitely tapping into um, big names. Uh, one big name uh, that spoke with one of our editors this week was Joseph Gordon-Levitt and he has a story and a new project up that collaborates with uh, people of all ages and we have an interview uh, with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Our streaming editor Kelsey Sutton spoke with the star, the actor, the creator about coming up with a collaborative quarantine project um, since his project was put on hold. So he's pivoting and we have that interview right after this break. 70% of marketers spend more time producing digital advertising content than they'd like. Don't be one of them. 
Find out how creative automation can help. Learn how at Seltra.com. That's C-E-L-T-R-A.com. I'd love to hear from you sort of the inception of the project, how you thought about kind of uh, getting this off the ground in such a, uh, a interesting uh, moment in, in history. Sure. Well, I was in the middle of production, traditional production, shooting a show for Apple, acting and writing and directing. And that production got put on pause, as did all film and television production. And uh, as I hunkered down in quarantine, very gratefully so, I should add, not everyone is so lucky to be able to stay at home. Some people have to go out and work. But as uh, as I was uh, here at home, I knew that if I, I wanted to stay positive and stay productive and stay sane, uh, I'd have to stay creative because that's how, that's just kind of what makes me happy or one of the things that makes me happy. And uh, I, I just made the commitment to do something creative every day. And I knew that I also wouldn't want to do that alone because uh, I would, for me, a lot of my creativity is always focused around collaboration and inspired by you know, interplay with other people. That's just how I grew up, uh, you know, working on sets and film and TV and stuff like that is very collaborative. And Hit Record is this community that I started many years ago that's evolved into this place that is all about collaboration. A lot of online communities for art and creativity are more about people posting things that they've made on their own. But Hit Record is all about people making things together and so it really works for me. And, and, you know, this is something that's been going that I've been really passionate about for years and years. And so when I ended up at home, it was really the obvious thing was just to focus on hit record. And it allows me to just every day do something creative. It could be a bit of writing. It could be a bit of music. It could be a bit of acting and not just do it alone, but I'm always kind of doing it with other people. If I'm writing, I'm, I'm like writing based on someone else's art, or if I'm making music, I'm playing along with someone else's music. Or if I'm acting, I'm acting out someone else's writing, etc. And uh, And as I was doing this every day, it, it just became really apparent that this specific, darkly extraordinary moment in time was there was, there was something about our community that was kind of unintentionally built for this moment and it it was a bizarre silver lining to see this community that i care so much about that i've put so much into for so many years kind of rise to this occasion and and provide um, a solace or a catharsis or just a a a connection that that people are, are really needing right now because there's you know a lot of people are understandably feeling isolated and uh, and as I was just observing what was going on in this community, I was just like, this is just what makes me feel good right now. I, I, I really, I basically stopped paying attention to the news and to social media. My wife, uh, I should say, like, I'm, I'm not just sticking my head in the sand. My, my wife is sort of better at discerning um, useful information. Uh, from from that than I am. Uh, I get sucked into spectacular stories, and um, but I, I've I've taken my my diet of, of news and social media down to basically zero. I've I've found that in this time, it's it's really just 
leaves me with anxiety. It generally does, to be honest, but I, that right now that's kind of amplified. Mm-hmm. And and so I've just been spending my time mostly on hit record and, and finding that a lot of people are, are having that same kind of reaction. And, and it's just been beautiful seeing people in this, in this uh, really hard time coming together and, and, and being creative and doing it together with other people. And so I just, like I said in the video you mentioned, I, like, I, I was like, this, what's happening here, this should be a show. Like, we should be, we should be telling this story of what's happening with this community right now. And we quickly put together a pitch and we pitched it to YouTube Originals and they bought it and we quickly, you know, greenlit it and we're making it and we're, you know, delivering the first rough cut it's the end of this week, you know, so it's, it's all happening really fast. We, and, uh, but it, it's, um, it's, it's feeling, uh, fulfilling. I wanted to ask, I know that you had, um, sort of the variety series hit record on TV and I wonder sort of is, is this series that you're working on that you're rough cutting for the end of this week? Um, what sort of, I guess, common DNA is there with, with that series, are you trying to do something totally different? What are sort of the episodes look like, I guess? Um, you know, how many creators are being spot, uh, spotlighted through the, the course of the episode? How are you thinking about uh, sort of making it its own, uh, its own shape and, and tell its own story uh, for, for YouTube? Yeah, you're really right. Well, so Hit Record on TV was... First of all, we, we just we had a ton of time. We took a lot of time to make those episodes, and they're they're really like intricately layered, very kind of um, well intricate. The best word, dense, intricate like art pieces. Each of those episodes, and um, the focus was really on the finished art and having a place to show what our collaborative community was all doing. Um, and uh, whereas this show, um, I think we're, we're going to focus uh, a lot more than we did before on uh, the people and their lives and their stories. And uh, even if uh, someone's skill as an artist is not, you know, even if someone's not an expertly skilled artist, that's fine. And that's actually kind of great because I'm really interested in showing just telling stories of, of people, a, a really wide variety of people. Some people who are getting to stay home, some people who aren't getting to stay home, some people here in the U.S., some people in a variety of other countries, people from all different kinds of cultures and backgrounds, and how because everyone, we're all dealing with this pandemic together and, and how uh, how people are finding common ground through their creativity and, and collaboration. So uh, we're, we're doing, we're focusing more on, on the people and their, and their stories just as much as we're focused on the finished art. Okay. Makes- so that'll be pretty different. That'll be pretty different from Hit Record on TV. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what was the turnaround time for this? You said you pulled together a pitch pretty quickly and, you know, you're working on rough cuts this week. It sounds, 
and I and I talked to uh, Suzanne Daniels, who heads up Originals at YouTube last week, sort of about how quickly they have mobilized, I guess, to to make some of these programs for their slate happen. So I wonder, sort of, from where you sit, how how quickly did this turn around? When did you actually submit that? that pitch and and how quickly has the filming actually had to uh you know had to happen to make this uh you know a reality orders of magnitude more quickly than normal for sure one thing about us though with hit record you know there, there isn't your like we don't have uh filming the way that a typical production does because we make stuff collaboratively with people all over the world so you know people are people are filming or they're animating or they're writing and then people in in our office are um are also you know i'll be filming in in my office but and then we have you know a team of uh editors and story producers and etc and uh, artists and yeah everyone's having to work really fast um and i think though everyone feels motivated to do it um, because we're telling a story about what's happening right now. And we've said in a, in a lot of our meetings, let's figure out how we can make something quickly and back into what the creative concept ought to be. Because if we lay out a whole bunch of ambitious creative concepts, but we can't get them done in time for this to come out while our reality is what it is today during this pandemic, then we'll have, you know, then we're, we're, I think that'll, that'll kind of miss the point. The the point is to try to make something that offers, uh, that offers a bit of uh, comforting catharsis and, and, you know, offers something inspiring and uplifting now right now while people need it so time has has really been a a much bigger factor and that that again was uh kelsey sutton our streaming editor here at adway talking to joseph gordon levitt Uh, we're out of time for this week uh but uh thank you uh minda smiley agency's reporter for joining us again this week no problem thanks for having me and co congratulations on your new role and thanks as always for being the co-host on our show of course thank you so much our theme music is by Home. This week's episode was produced by Co-M and edited by Lane McGibney. Uh, if you've not already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews mean a lot to us, and they help new listeners discover the show. You can reach us anytime at podcast at adweek.com. That's podcast at adweek.com. And, uh, yeah, we look forward to hearing from you. I'm David Greiner for Adweek, and we will be back next week. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.